Every day, as you do the things you need to do, chances are there are a few apps on your phone or device of choice that help you on your way. Everything from checking how bad traffic is, what the weather will be, what tasks you have to get done, the list at this point goes on and on. It's part of the reason why if you ever find yourself on a train, a bus, or just standing outside anywhere, there's probably someone near you staring into a screen. In a city like Berlin, there are, of course, specific apps that people like to use in their daily lives. I'm thinking of apps specific to the city that help you find things or know what's going on. And today on the program, we're looking at essential Berlin apps, with a special focus today on the ones that help you get around. With help from two developers who are very much pioneers in that world, Andreas Schildbach and Torsten Grote. This was also the week where we asked you, the listeners, about your app choices for Berlin life, and we will hear what some had to say. It's the Berlin Transport Apps episode, and it's all coming up right now from Wikimedia Deutschland. I'm Mark Fonseca Renderu, and this is Source Code Berlin. So there's many ways to approach this, but let's start today by dividing into groups, or at least interest groups, right? There are the residents, people who live in the city, who have specific needs and interests, and apps can help them on their way. And there's also, of course, visitors, uh, be they tourists, be they business travelers. There's also a, a list of apps for these types of people. And later on today, I think we'll, we will speak about uh, tourism and, and short-term apps that can help you, or short-term visitors that need help from specific apps. But let's start today with the residents, with the Berliners themselves. As I mentioned, we put out the call on social media to hear about your habits, and two such listeners collaborated to create a very entertaining message, I think, uh, about their essential apps for Berlin. Let's take a listen. This is Estera and Sean, two fine, upstanding current citizens of the city of Berlin in Germany. And we'd like to share with you our Berlin life-related apps. So we're actually pretty lame in that we use Foursquare to find places to get for food or drinks. But when it comes to finding the right party, there's nothing like Restrealität. Not an app in that sense, but a flash app running in your browser. And as far as I can remember, it's invite-only. Uh, it's pretty 90s, I, I know. As soon as I heard this, I went to Restrialitite and realized I don't have an invite, but yet I was kind of intrigued by a invite-only secret community about parties. Oh well, anyway. Um, but living in the city for a while now also made me appreciate the party scene much less and good old gigs more and more, so... Yeah, there's really so much music in this town that it's easy to miss one of your favorite artists when they come by. We use Songkick uh, and Songkick's reminders to make sure we don't miss a gig. So here again, in the spirit of full disclosure, I have to acknowledge that Songkick is not a Berlin-only app. That's no surprise. While many apps are made in Berlin, some very useful sources for local information can be made pretty much anywhere nowadays, as is the case of the UK-based Songkick. 
And then there are those weekends when you really want to go explore something nice with a friend, but have no idea what. Enter Index Berlin. I use their index somewhat irregularly to find interesting gallery openings and art shows I would have never heard of otherwise. So this is a particularly cool find. Not an app, but indeed a service online that even allows you to choose by district and by when something is going on or when an exhibition is closing. You can see what closes today, what closes tomorrow in the coming days. Really cool find here. So get this. I got by in Berlin without learning German for quite a while, but you know what? I missed out. I missed out on a great chance to learn a new language and truly immerse myself in the city. So I use my spare moments on the train or in the evenings to strengthen my German skills with an app called Duolingo. It even makes uh, German easy to learn. Language is always important, and indeed, in the context of Berlin, learning German comes in handy. Always good to have an app for that. So speaking of trains, how do you take the right one? I found Uffi to be an indispensable help to find the shortest path taking public transportation. While Uffi also works in many other cities, its origin lies here in Berlin, and it's absolutely support-worthy. Some of the best experiences in Berlin don't need an app. So just grab some friends, a drink from the Speti, and stumble over some music on the street, and... Enjoy! Enjoy. I want to get myself over to Wikimedia. So let's see, Ofi, directions. Going to Tempelhofer Ufer, departing now. Wow, okay, quite a few options, all starting with S5. Gonna take S5 until either U12, and then I gotta walk for 10 minutes. Or I take S5 until. until Willy Brandt House, and then M41. So I know where I have to go, and thankfully I can leave every 10 minutes. So there we go. Thanks, Alfie. I confess I don't usually talk to myself out loud on the S-Bahn like that. It was just to make an audio impression of what it is like to use the app that both Astera, Sean, and many Berliners recommend for getting around. That beloved app, Ofi which has an umlaut over the O, so you know I'm going to mispronounce it. But if you've been in this town for any amount of time, you know of its value. An early pioneer, even before most public transport systems had their official app, Ofi's developer was busy making an app for everyone to enjoy and applied it to all modes of public transport. Now, how to do that? Why to do that? Those are all very good questions. My name is Andreas, and I'm an Android app developer living in Berlin. I think I was basically scratching my own itch. I mean, it was back uh, 2009 when uh, yeah, Android was still very uncommon and uh, Motorola um, released their first Android phone, the Motorola Milestone, and I got it. And then I, I thought I must do something on it. I must start uh, mobile app programming. And um, 
Also, at the same time, I was new to Berlin and I really had the need for some app that guides me around with the public transport system. Scratching an itch is something we can all relate to. Being new to a city, also something familiar to many. But building an app that hundreds of thousands might one day use, there's something not all of us get to experience. How, for starters, does one begin down that road? Well, <laughs> just start programming. It's, it's, it's very easy to do apps, actually. I downloaded the Android SDK and started coding. Uh, I, Of course, I had this problem where to get the data from. Uh, and that was basically scraping it from the websites. I mean, the app started with Berlin only, so that was uh, still quite easy to do for just one city. The world of apps since 2009 has certainly gotten crowded. After all the initial programming and setup is done, even as the cool familiar transport icon is finally in place, how do you then go about telling the world and having the world, or maybe just the city at least, being able to find you? That was um, in January 2010, I guess, um, at a Google Developer Conference, I'd say, <laughs> a small version in Berlin. Uh, they, they, they had this, this format where you could, um, where developers could pitch their apps basically for five minutes each or just two minutes, I don't, can't remember. And so, so, so people pitched their, I don't know, alarm clock app or Mensa schedule or whatever what was popular there. And I pitched my, my first version of Effie, which, which just could display the nearby stations and when the next buses were going. And I said, um, you can use this app for getting to the after party. <laughs> And I Im immediately I got uh, a lot of response and uh, people asked how how was that app called again? They wanted to install it immediately. Immediately, and 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 I I think I had already a thousand downloads uh, a few days after. And what about improvements and updates? We all know how important the updating of an app can be. Did you know what to focus on back then that would eventually lead to such a full service public transport app that people know and love today? Every few weeks, I think at that time it was more like several times a week, there was an update and people even started complaining about getting too many app updates. <laughs> um, I, I, I know I, I wanted to ex extend to more cities and also have really um, transport directions. Like how, how can I get from A to B? This qu question was still unanswered by the app. It just told where's the next um, station and when do the next buses or trains go from this station, but not how how can I can I get a complete connection from A to B that and yeah that that I wanted to do as well. So I had a list of features I wanted to do and, and I still have. Eventually, the public transport companies get into the game. So many other all-in-one transport apps appear on the scene. Anybody who looks in any of the app stores can, can see it. Everyone claiming to be the smartest. Is Ofi still able to be found and reach so many people nowadays and going forward? I mean, Ofi is uh, in a right comfortable position because it's very um, uh, popular, at least in Germany and all the other German-speaking countries. Um, so yeah, it's still, it's still, a, it always appears in the, in the lists of, uh, similar apps, et cetera. So it has a very good visibility, but if you, if you would start a new app, it will get drowned, I'd say, because there are so many public transport apps 
out now there every um, public transport authority like Verkehrsverbund or Verkehrsunternehmen has their own app nowadays. They are usually local to just their uh, region. So if you need to switch cities, you need to install a new app. <laughs> um, and also there's several like these big players like Google, uh, Amazon, Apple, etc., Nokia, I think. They all do their ser own server-based uh, public transport routing, which of course isn't the, it, it's not really using the original data, but um, yeah, it's, it's a competition <laughs> for all the public transport apps. I've seen both the app and yourself written about in the German press, and one thing that often gets mentioned is the philosophy behind the app and your strategy when it comes to financing its development. Many may think of apps and then think of how they may cost a little bit of money, and then they get purchased a million times, and boom, you get the story of the successful app developer. You have a unique approach to all this. Well, <laughs> if you're talking about the business model, I have none, I'd say. Um, I mean, the app was started just for fame, <laughs> I'd say, <laughs> or, or like I said, scratching my own itch. But it hasn't really changed since then. I, I just continue with it. I um, I invest my own uh, money to, to so I can live and just uh, do work on Effie and my other projects, by the way. But um, maybe one one thing is I I would like to to get people stop using cars and get more on public transport actually and if i would for example if i would charge for the app that that would just be another barrier for them to yeah to to get on public transport if they would need to buy a, an app from what i've seen you've had an incredible response not only in berlin but in many countries from people who not only love the app but want to help develop it uh what is your strategy when it comes to people who want to build something or add something to Ofi? And of course, I'd also like to hear about your other apps and the philosophies behind them. Yeah, actually, I, w I would like to point out first that about half of FE is open source, which is public transport enabler. Um, it's just a library for getting all the data. So if you if, if someone wants to do to realize some idea that has to do with public transport data, then they can use this framework or library to get the data. And it's open source. Uh, and the other thing you just mentioned is Bitcoin Wallet. Um, I think Bitcoin is quite known nowadays. It's basically money for internet. Uh, and Bitcoin Wallet is a decentralized app which just lives on your phone. It, there's no server infrastructure or something like that and allows you to keep your Bitcoins really on your phone in your pocket. It's like cash, basically. And I have to ask, is Bitcoin Wallet Another example of you taking a personal philosophy, something that you'd like to address in the world, and putting it into effect through making an app that's accessible to people all over the world? Yes, I'd say yes, <laughs> because it's so damn complicated to accept money worldwide. The banks have always, yeah, they're, they, 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 they keep closing accounts for some people, uh, and, and a lot of, of people worldwide don't have bank accounts and it's expensive to transfer money across the borders so um, I wanted everyone including myself to be able to accept money from every, also from the whole world 
Well, all right, Andreas, thanks so much for taking time today to explain some of how you do what you're doing, and we wish you all the best in the future. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Andreas Schildbach is an Android developer of Offi and Bitcoin Wallet, based in Berlin. As you just heard, like many good projects out there, the development of Ofi is ongoing. And as part of the project makes use of an open library, others can also build on or off of this project. Enter Librario, a comprehensive transport app that is, above all, fully open and publicly licensed. Taking its name from the Spanish Libertad and Horario, Freedom and Time Schedule, Liberario is currently available in 14 countries and 11 languages, thanks to volunteers all over the world who coordinate their efforts via GitHub and Transifex. The overseer of this grand project plans to take it much further, while always adhering to one major principle. Hi, I'm Torsten and I'm a free software activist. I've been running this campaign for the Free Software Foundation Europe. It's called Free Your Android and we, we wanted to help people to get an Android system that is as free as possible with less restrictions as possible. And in this campaign we collected apps that uh, were not yet available as free software. And for me, living here in Berlin, uh, public transport app was really essential. And as a free software activist, I really only use free software. So, so I couldn't use Earthy at the time. So I got in touch with Andreas, I talked to him about it, um, I met him at Seabase. Uh, and then it turned out that he was um, really against the idea of making Earthy really free. But fortunately, he had um, the data library available as free software. So, so we talked about how I could just use that and make my own app on top of that. And this is how Liberario was born. In your documentation, which, as you've pointed out, is available for anyone to see and use, there is this fundamental building block, the, the data library that Andreas made available, as you said. It seems to make everything possible. Could you explain how you use it? And maybe even before that, what is the Public Transport Enabler Library? So, first of all, it's a Java library, and Java is also the language that Android apps are written in, so um, it's just an easy plug-and-play thing. You plug in the library, and then you just have to figure out the API of it to, uh, to use it, and it was not well-documented, but Andreas was really helpful here. So what it does is you... Um, you basically have this API and you tell it, like, I, I have this location and I have the other location and I want to go from, from this location to the other and uh, please give me the trips. And then what the library does in the background is it connects to the public transport provider, uh, their, their official server, 
um, parses the response and outputs it in a generic format. This is always the same and abstracted from the actual public transport providers. So what they do is they support three, I think three or four different providers and different APIs, and they abstract them in a way that I just have to use one single API for myself. Your list of cities that Liberario includes is long and continues to grow, but talk about the attitudes and approaches to making data available that you've seen on the part of public transport authorities. Are they willing and actively trying to share their information? Well, for some of them, yes. Um, for others, not so much. <laughs> so um, what happens recently is that um, some of them even have public hackathons and they encourage developers to use their data. But um, for most of them, they just use it for their own apps and we have to kind of hook into their service. And for some of them, even some website scraping is necessary. Um, but what really helps of opening them up is, is actually Google because they came up with this general transit feed specification, which they use so they can have public transport integrated in Google Maps. So thousands of public transport companies around the world um, have their data available in this kind of open standard format, but most of them don't publish it, <laughs> unfortunately. So we can't use it. So we have to, to contact them directly and ask them, like, I see you have this data, you gave it to Google, but why don't you publish it? And I did that myself for, for a couple of, of public transport authorities. And um, usually I wasn't really successful because they said, oh, but the data is not, is, uh, the quality isn't that good. So um, we really don't feel comfortable about publishing it. So please wait, maybe we'll do it later. Like if it's really about quality, like why, why is the quality good enough for Google and, and for people to use it there? Um, maybe they are worried about what might happen or what people might do with the access to that data. Maybe it's more about that. Um, but maybe it's also just for them an inconvenience to also publish it online and to keep it updated because those that do publish their, their transport feeds, <laughs> they usually don't update them. So we have to nag them and tell them, well, it's outdated, but how about updating? And then, okay, okay, we do it. <laughs> You've just described one potential obstacle in the development of the app, the whole aspect of getting data from authorities. I can imagine many other factors that can't always be easy, from managing a large group of volunteers to finding more people to implement specific new features. But what would you say, looking ahead, is the biggest challenge facing Liberario? biggest challenge certain, certainly is about adding more and more cities because the, my vision is to, to support the entire world, basically. Wherever you go, you can just use this one app and it works wherever you are. Um, so the challenge is really of opening up that data in a way that I can easily use it and also in a way that scales. <laughs> Let's talk about getting found and getting support uh, contributions to the project. Now, free software or not, it is a crowded field out there, not just in the app stores, but also in the limited attention span world we call the internet. How do you get discovered and get support? Well, since my app is, is completely free software, it's also available via F-Droid, which is the, the go-to um, app store for, for all free software affectionates. And these people are usually also more likely to contribute back to free software projects 
especially if I offer them the possibility to do it. So it's it's just a question of presenting the information of how to contribute in a nice way and then just waiting for people to show up and, and help me. <laughs> and that that worked out quite well, but I, I want to do better than that. So like, I want to enhance the documentation that people need to, to add their local transport authorities' data to, to Liberario. Tell us about the response when you first launched and with each update until now, what are people most often telling you, asking for? Talk about the feedback. Well, it was quite quite positive and uh, people came up with a lot, lot of suggestions and lots of features they wanted. And, and this is usually the thing, like they, they don't bother so much with saying thank you for this app, although many people do that as well. But most people just say, well, it's nice, but I want this feature and I want that feature and please work for me for free. <laughs> But this is normal in the in the free software world, I guess. And you just have to live with that. It is true that we use so many apps in our lives and most often we don't think much about the developer. We want something, we look for it, we get it, we use it. But there isn't much time or energy spent on considering the process and yeah, the, the well-being of the developer. Unfortunately not, but then I'm all the happier for everybody who shows up and offers some some support and some help, if it even is only translations or making me aware of a typo or something small. The work-life balance question is a common topic, not only on this show, but surely in many people's lives. So I want to bring it into this discussion. You make an app like this for people all over the world. You believe strongly that it should be freely available. However, back home, I imagine there are bills to pay and a life to afford. How do you fund Liberario? And generally speaking, what is your method for being able to work on not-for-profit projects when it comes to affording the time and resources required? Well, that is actually the, the biggest problem and um, <laughs> because I have so many other things to do and so many other projects um, and also I have to to, uh, <laughs> to earn my, my living somehow, so I have to work. Um, so for me, it's a question of motivation. Like, For example, when uh, Google um, announced this material design and published the, the APIs for that, then I got really excited again and I hadn't been doing something for months, but then I thought, oh, this is really interesting and it looks really nice. I, I want to do this for my app as well. So I, uh, I got motivated again and then I just made the time somehow. <laughs> and put other things to on the side. But it's always a question of priorities. So um, when you're sufficiently motivated, uh, more motivated to work on your app than you are uh, on, on other projects, then, the, then you will start working on the app. And um, positive fe feedback by people helps with that. Like if you see there's people using it and they're excited about it and you, you, you make their life better in a way, then that motivates me also to, to put more work into it. And sometimes people propose a nice feature that I hadn't thought of and that I find useful myself. So then it's the scratch your own itch um, motivation and then I just do it. And sometimes it's really quick. You can, you can just put one hour in the evening after you work and you d it doesn't have to be eight hours, right? So just little time chunks here and there and then the app progresses. One thing I've learned speaking with you and Andreas today is that one important element to inspire someone to pursue such a project is having some problem that needs solving or some itch that needs scratching. Which brings me to the question, what other Berlin itches have you set out to scratch using an app? <laughs> well, there was one other itch uh, I scratched by my making an app, and um, that is here in Berlin, um, especially in the subway, the internet reception is really bad. So um, 
when I, when I follow like social network feeds in the subway because I, I downloaded them before I went into the subway, uh, and sometimes I see something really interesting, but I can't click really the link because it takes forever to load. So I developed this little app um, where I can share content with one click, and it's sent to my email inbox for for me to see later. It's a really simple principle, but um, that helped me a great deal, especially after I built in also offline functionality. So it even works when I'm not online, and later it sends out all the stuff I shared, and I have it in my email inbox to process. It's called Blitzmail, and you can also use it to, for example, uh, quickly mail pictures from your phone to, to yourself. Uh, another great helper, especially if I'm, if I'm going around Berlin with a bike, is, is OSM AND, like OpenStreetMap for Android. And that is all. That is really helpful because um, the data is offline and it does routing as well. So I, it, it doesn't it doesn't go on my on my data limit. And uh, I can have bike routing as well and um, navigation. It tells me like now go right, now go left. An app that gives you biking instructions in Berlin. That's definitely another one to add to our essentials lists. Torsten Grote, your work is great and it continues. Thanks for doing what you do and for taking the time today to speak with us. You're welcome. Torsten Grote is a free software activist and a developer of Liberario. He's based in Berlin. Lastly today, though we've primarily focused on transport apps, I wanted to make sure we also come back to the subject of visitors to Berlin and apps that might come in handy. Now, today's list, which we will post on the website and is already quite long and very handy, in addition to those, I wanted to throw in my personal favorites, including the Berlin Vegan Guide for finding food, even if you're not a vegan that is vegan, Find your food truck, which for the iPhone users is only available uh, in the German uh, app store, but is also available for Android. The Street Art Berlin app, and perhaps the newest and coolest, the Berlin Wall Time Traveler app, an augmented reality app that when used along with or when you're at sites of the former Berlin Wall, reveal photos and video of historical moments at that very spot. It's not only cool, but I would argue it's also good for your brain. So in the end, after listening to today's program, you know much more about what goes into making Berlin's beloved transport apps as well as a few other favorites that can make your daily activities in town that much more, well, easier and perhaps interesting. And that does it for today's program. Source Code Berlin is a Wikimedia Deutschland podcast with music today from Hank Hobson, Norton, and Ambient Sue, all available on the Free Music Archive under CCBYNC SA licenses. This program is published under a CCBYSA 4.0 license and edited by me. You can find Source Code Berlin on Twitter at SRC Code Berlin. You can also find us on Facebook, Source Code Berlin, or you can just go to the website sourcecode.berlin. 
Also, an additional note this weekend is Maker Fair at the Postbahnhof in Berlin. I will be there and we will be podcasting the experience for an upcoming program. So come say hello or just stay tuned for the next program. Until next time, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. Thanks for listening. We are. We are.